Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. because many of you know that's your favorite part right there. You know that's your favorite part. You was hoping he wouldn't cut it before you got to your part. Come on, you better tell the truth and shame the devil up in here. We break the spirit of religion in Jesus' name. Come on, it's okay to have a good time in church. Come on, there's some things that it, 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 it may not necessarily uh, be considered sacrosanct or sacred, but it's not necessarily evil either. And right now, if you go to a family outing, somebody's going to probably play that song. If, you, if your uncle is the DJ, he's going to play that song. So my subject today is before I let go. Raise your hand if you can relate to being in love. You know what it is to be in, to be in love. Yeah, yeah, many, many of us can relate to that kind of experience. We know what it's like to have our heart fluttering. Right? We know what it's like to, we know what it's like to, to, to hear that person's name and just begin to smile. Right? We, we know what it's like to, to, to race to the phone because when you just got home from work and you haven't talked to that person all day long and you just have to hear their voice before you proceed in your evening or whatever it is that you're doing. Come on, you know what it's like when you change your outfit four or five times because you got a day, but you're trying to be perfect for the one that you love. It's really interesting too though because Many of us, if we'll be honest, we, we, we've been in love a few different times. 
we fell in love in, in 1985, and then we fell in love in 88, and then in 93, we fell in love. Come on. Some of us fell in love two times in the same day. Come on, at Afrofest or Summerfest, the taste in Chicago. You saw, oh my God, oh my God. Lord have mercy. We all can relate to being in love. You know, and if you're like me, you also can relate to being in a situation where you have fell in love with someone you've appreciated and you have cherished your time with that person. But for some reason, it feels like things just aren't moving the way that you perhaps anticipated. And so just as well as many of us can relate to being in love, we also can relate to being in a situation where the relationship seems to have run its course. Seems like it's time for a change and it's time for a shift. Think about those times where you were in love. Just think about that person for a moment. And uh, if I could quote Bishop, if that person is next to you, come on, just keep looking at me. Right? Initially, it's fireworks. You see the sparkle in each other's eyes. That was a line I used when I was dating, uh, trying to be sweet on my wife. I said, I can see the sparkle in your eyes. Right? You can't wait to see them. You talk to them every day, multiple times of the day, but for some reason there seems to be a shift that occurs. Sometimes there's a shift or a change that takes place because of what's going on with us. Right? Sometimes it's not necessarily all about that other person. Sometimes we're going through some, some changes in our lives. Sometimes it may be some family commitments that begin to impinge upon our time or it may be our job or our career or it may be our friends and some of the things that they're putting in our ear. And even though you love this person and you fell in love and, and you thought they were just everything to you, there's something that's changing on the inside. Your heart no longer flutters when you hear their name or their voice. No longer are they priority for you. Come on, think about those times. Before, before things shifted for you, that person uh, was your priority phone call. How many of you know about call waiting, right? Because I've been on the phone where, you know, you hear, that, you hear that that beep, somebody else is on the other line. But when it's your main person, right? When it's your, when it's your priority person, you ignore that call waiting. Right? That was before the shift, but after something shifted in your life, now you click over when previously you wouldn't click over. Before things shifted, the two of you played the hang-up game. How many of you played that hang-up game? Come on. You hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Right? And before you know it, you've been on the phone 30 more minutes. And then you say the same thing. Okay, I'm going to get ready to go. I'm sleepy. All right. Bye. Then you don't hear nothing. You hang up. No, you hang up, right? So you repeat the whole thing all over again. But after things shift, sometimes you hang up the phone accidentally. And you don't even think to call back. Why? Because something has shifted on the inside. Before the shift, that person was your boo. And couldn't nobody tell you nothing about the one that you set your gaze upon and the one that you love. But after the shift, the two of you, you, you went to a new place. And I, I just tell on myself, you know, I was one of them brothers that loved to use the term, oh, we just talking. Right? When that person is not your priority, you know, you relegate them to a we just talking stage. Because for fellas, you know, we could be talking to like 10 different young ladies. Because, oh, you didn't, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I don't mean to put our business out there, but it's, it's the truth. Right? In my experience, I was talking to like four or five different people. Why? Because they were not my priority. There was some interest, but they, they, they were not the, the one that I felt I needed to give my whole attention and commitment to. And whether you want to admit it or not, if you can think about being in a situation like this, the relationship is fading. Uh, and it's not necessarily because you don't care about that person. But in fact, you are reluctant to make a decision to move on, right? It, 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 it was a good thing. In this song, I, I had to tap into one of my resources to get a little bit more clarity because after all, I was a young, young buck. Uh, was I even born, Mom, when this song was, created, was, was, was made? I don't even know if I was born when this song was made. 
So I had to do a little homework. I said, Ma, tell me about this song. And so I'm going to go off of what she told me because that's my mama. So she began to expound and just just briefly she said that before I let go is is a pleasant breakup song. It's a song that has references to loyalty and good times in a relationship. And if you listen to Frankie's words, he 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 didn't sound like he was mad at the person. Right? He he didn't sound like it was just so awful. In fact, you heard the the compassion, you heard the care, you heard the the, the feelings that he still had for this person, but for some reason There was a shift. It's a song that implies that what was once good in the past may not be good for the future. That a relationship that is your now may not necessarily be your later. And what I want to encourage you, saints of God, is that your future is waiting on you. And in many instances, you need to let go of a few things. You cannot drag your past into your future and to the things that God has waiting for you. And if I could extend that for a moment, I would say that your present isn't a prerequisite for your future. Because if that was the case, what the chaos is that we're dealing with would be a very ominous reality about what's in store for us in the future. But I serve a God who reminds me in the book of Job that though I started with little, my latter shall be greater. You cannot determine what's going to happen ahead of you by what happened behind you and what and by what is happening right now in your present. Before I let go, in, in my mind, is something like a relationship review or a relationship assessment. The brother said, I want to make sure I'm right. In other words, he was going through some contemplation. He was doing a review of the relationship. And many of us, I submit today, need to do the same thing. Many of us have some relationships that we need to assess. We have some relationships that we need to review that perhaps we need to audit. Now, obviously, so far, I've been speaking in the context of a, a, a loving relationship, right, with the, perhaps with a spouse or uh, with, with a significant other, a dating relationship, something of that nature. But it could relate to other things besides that. It could be a friendship. It could be a relationship with an employer. It could be a relationship with with, with some habits and some behaviors that you've grown too accustomed to. If I could quote Cornell West, he says, you've you've become too well adjusted to it. Could be that bottle. It could be drugs. You need to do an audit of that relationship. Some of us need to concede that you know what? Even though we have some good times. Even though it was, it, was, it was something pleasurable for me uh, 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 at, a, at a certain point, it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to let go. Somebody say, before I let go. Now, I, I, I want to posit this morning three different phases that I think are important for us to leave with or things that we need to ponder as we move forward in today's sermon discussion because Letting go is not an easy thing. Come on, if, you, if, you, if you've had to endure a, a, a significant or a serious breakup, you know that that thing is not an easy thing to do. I didn't get enough amens on that. When you really love somebody, but you know that they are not good for your future, it is a hard thing to do. Moving on is not an easy thing for everybody. And if you're the type of person that can just ginsu people and cut people off like that, I question the depth of the love in the first place. So the first thing I want to consider right now is the need to let go. The need to let go. And specifically... I want to examine the song lyric, You Made Me Happy. Come on, think about that one that you fell in love with. Now, I want to juxtapose that and and go a bit uh, psychological on the church this morning. Imagine that 
that relationship, imagine that that person that you love is yourself. Come on, our BC days were typified by a relentless focus on ourself. What we wanted was a priority. We loved ourselves. We did everything we could to please ourselves, even if it meant hurting ourselves. We were living unto our senses. For some of us, that means we smoked. For some of us, that means that we drank. In other words, we were having a good time, so we thought. But it was hurting ourselves. We lied, we stole, we cheated, we harbored unforgiveness. Our whole existence was wrapped into a focus on making ourselves happy. We did what we wanted to do. Even if it came with drama or heartache or misery. Even if it came with days where we didn't even like ourselves or didn't even know if we loved ourselves. When we looked in the mirror and we weren't pleased with what we saw staring back at us. It was a relationship with ourselves that, that really wasn't a healthy thing. Despite the good times, it never failed that you could never make yourself whole or that you can make yourself complete. As good as you were, never being fulfilled. These are our BC days. These are the before Christ days. You knew that as good as things were for you. And again, that might mean something different depending on the person. That could be the club experiences. Right, that could be you flowing and flourishing in the career, uh, but you did not have the Lord as your priority at that particular time. As good as things were, whatever it is for you, you realized that there was something missing. You realized that there was something that you were lacking, and, and here's part of the reason why. B.C. after, right, after Christ, a funny thing happened one day. Sometimes the shift happened in a relationship because we met somebody different. We met somebody who gave us a new outlook on life. We met somebody who caused us to have a shift in our perspective. And for the believers in the house, that person was a man named Jesus Christ. If I can quote Gladys Knight, he was the best thing that ever happened. When Jesus said he loves you, you know he meant it. With Jesus, you felt a peace that you never knew with previous relationships. With Jesus, you felt a sense of security that you never experienced in previous relationships. You weren't confused about his loyalty or his devotion. Why? Because you knew that Jesus was a fighter. You knew that Jesus would fight for you. In fact, the scripture says, he said, no man take my life. I'll lay down my life. Come on. Some of you moved on from a person because they didn't have that testimony. When the hard times arose, they, they were nowhere to be found. Come on. When, when things got rough, you looked around and they were not there to your left. They were not there to your right. They weren't calling you no more. They were not fighting for you. They were not making you priority. But Jesus made us all priority. Come on. When he went to the cross, he gave his very last breath. Come on. One nail in one hand. One nail in the other hand. Nail in his feet. Excruciating pain. Talk about somebody that will endure through the worst of experiences. Why? Because he loved you. Because he loves you. Talk about somebody that is selfless. Talk about somebody who will give of themselves. Jesus is the one. He became poor so that you can be rich. And if many of us will be honest, when we were in that relationship and it came and it ran its course, it was because there was something lacking and it was that selflessness perhaps that was lacking. It was that sense of not being priority that caused a fracture or that caused friction and you knew you had to move on because even James Cleveland said it, nobody, can't nobody do me like Jesus. And as I open up with that verse, I see here that that Jesus is pushing us to do something that a lot of times we don't want to do. And it sounds like this is what Frankie Beverly really didn't want to do. And that was make a decision. 
Come on, you got to make a decision. The next song lyric that I want to feature says, I want to make sure I'm right. I want to make sure that I'm right. Jesus requires that we make a decision. You see, we live in the gray too much. Either it is or it isn't. Right? Either somebody is prospering you or they are not. Either somebody helps you to feel better about yourself or they don't. Either somebody is healthy for you or they are not. Jesus requires that we make a decision. And so we open up with the scripture. See, what preceded that verse is this. Jesus had just begun to tell the disciples about what he had to endure. He said, I must go to Jerusalem. And he began to tell them and, and, and give them a forecast of, of what he had to endure. And I'm shortening it up for his time's sake. But Peter, Peter, Peter said, Lord, forbid it to be so. And Jesus rebuked him. Get thee behind me, Satan. You speak the things that are the prerogatives of man and not the things of God. In other words, Peter, you can't have it your way and also have it God's way. In other words, Peter, my agenda and God's plan is superior to what you want. See, Peter articulated something that was selfish. Peter was focused on what was good for Peter. Not realizing that there was a bigger plan and a bigger, a, a, a bigger picture. So Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, the very first thing that you need to do is deny yourself. If you are going to follow me, the very first thing you need to do is let go. You need to make a decision. In other words, Peter, you know what? I love you. We've done some great things together, bro. But guess what? We're going to have to get something straight here and right now. If you're going to follow me, deny yourself. You can't be between two different opinions. You can't be in the left end and on the right. You can't be on both sides of the fence. As much as we love this song, Frankie was on both sides of the fence. We never hear in the song that he came to a conclusion. We get lost in the... In the crooning of it, we get lost in the, in, in, in the different words and we get lost in the, in the rhythm and the bass line and the beat, but Frankie never made a decision. He was dubious. He was torn. I want to make sure I'm right. Jesus is asking today, are you still torn between two opinions? Have I done enough in your life to convince you that you need to let go? Have I proved myself enough times to persuade you that I am the way, that I am the truth, that I am the life? How long will we be betwixt two opinions? Come on, we got to, I, I keep getting these songs in my head. Uh, many of us are in a, uh, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right state. Come on, we, 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 we are in a, neither one of us wants to be the first to say goodbye state. Come on, but you got to make a decision. Either you're going to follow Jesus or you're not. See? <laughs> See, 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 Jesus is very God. And if he's very God, in the beginning was the word, and the, words, the word was with God, and the word was God. Revelation 19, 13 tells us that his name is the word of God. So if Jesus is God, then Exodus 20 is true. You can have no other God before him. He's not taking the back seat to nobody. Can't have it both ways. Somebody's got to fall back. Come on. Somebody has to take the, the, the back seat. Somebody has to come forward and somebody has to come back. Come on. No gray. Jonathan McReynolds said no gray. It's it, it, either black or white. No gray. If God is God, then serve God. But if you're going to let that man be God, then serve him. Come on. If you're going to let that woman be God, then serve her. If you're going to let that career rule your life, then serve it. But if you're going to follow Jesus, there has to be a denunciation. 
there has to be some renouncing. For God I live and for God I die. It's not an easy thing. Because many Christians struggle. And I want to explicate this morning why letting go is so hard. You see, I don't want to bash Frankie. Some of you are going to be mad at me by the time this service is over with. Uh, because you're going to say, he played this song, but he talked about the man. I'm not bashing Frankie. But what I'm highlighting is the reality of human emotion. And when we are led by our emotion rather than our convictions, then we find ourselves torn. We find ourselves like ships being tossed to and fro, unstable, blown about by every wind of doctrine. Come on, one year you're Muslim. The next year you're a Christian. Now you're thinking you're just spiritual. Make a decision. Why letting go is so hard. (laughs) There's a song lyric that I think speaks to this. It says, now we've had our good time. That's what they say. We're hurting each other. Girl, it's a shame. Look, right? That's being dubious. Many believers are struggling in their flesh. Come on, let's call a spade a spade. It's the flesh. They're struggling. Good times, right? Partying, but then it's the hangover. Then it's the regret, right? Then it's the shame. But we had a good time. Tweeted it, Facebooked it, Instagrammed it, but now you're embarrassed. Now you're hoping that the saints don't see your page. Bishop said he on Facebook, I hope he don't see what they posted about me. Too many believers are too deep in or in too deep. Too well acquainted with themselves. Still too in love with themselves. Why? Soul ties. Soul ties. That's what it is. That's what it is. What do you mean, preacher? Well, here's what I mean. Our soul, we are triune beings, right? Man is, is, is our body, it's our soul, and uh, we, are spirit. we are spiritual beings having an earthly experience. Spirit beings in the body, an earth suit, dirt, clay. But our soul is that intermediary. Our soul is comprised of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And if we listen to Frankie, we can hear that his emotions were still tied into it. Even though he knew he probably needed to do something different, his, he, he, he was in his feelings, right? His contemplation was, 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 was driving him. Our soul is also comprised of our intellect and our consciousness. It's also comprised of our memory. So he was remembering some things. He was reminiscing, if you will, on some things. And it made it difficult to let go because our soul usually influences what our body does. Some of us struggle with sin because we're too tied to the person or the experience. Our emotions are wrapped up into it. Right? Our feelings are tied into it. Our minds are, are, are bound to it. And we, even though we know we need to move on, even though we know that relationship has run its course, we're stuck and we struggle. And so, like Frankie, we say we've had our good times, but we're hurting each other, and it's a shame. Many people come to church day or a week after week, Sunday after Sunday, going back and forth, vacillating, fluctuating, oscillating, going up and down, back and forth, in sin, or or involved in activities, or involved with people that they know are not for their future. But you can't let go. Even though you try, you can't let go. Because you're too tied up, too tangled up, too wrapped up in it. It's a soul tie. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says a threefold cord is not easily broken. So your body is yoked up. And then your soul is yoked up. And then you got the world influencing you. So that's a threefold cord that's not easily broken. One of the best examples of an individual wrapped up, tied up, tangled up, 
in a situation that know that, that, that they know is not the best for them, but nonetheless feeling powerless to do something different. It's Paul's treatise in Romans chapter 7. And for the sake of time, I'm going to extrapolate certain verses and, and begin to provide some insight. I'm talking about saved people today. I'm not talking about sinners. Come on. I'm not talking about those who have not yet believed. I'm talking about folks who have made a decision that I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. But for whatever reason, they cannot move forward in the things of God the way that they want to. Saved. But for some reason cannot move forward. In Romans 7, 17, uh, the, the scripture says, uh, Paul says it like this. He says, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. What I'm pointing out right now is that this, this, this person is saved. The passing translation, which I love, says this. And now I realize it is, it is no longer my true self doing it but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. I'm saved, but I still can't let go. If we believe that salvation is the gift of God, theologically, if we believe in the principle of justification, that means that as soon as we believe, we're saved. As soon as we repent, and we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We make confession, Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10. We make confession, the scripture says, we shall be saved. As soon as we call on the name of the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I believe. We are saved. That's justification. We are made right in his sight. We've been rescued from sin at that particular moment, but we still have some imprints. We still have some, some remembrances because of the long-standing affiliation. Come on, think about it. If, if you were unsaved for any length of time, it's going to be a little bit difficult to unlearn a lot of the behaviors that you did learn. Even though the act of God is powerful, even though the act of God of salvation it is, is a miracle, there's still some residue from that past life. There's still some memories that we have. There's still some feelings that come up. Uh, there, there's still some emotions that we begin to sense and to feel. So this is a saved man, but he, he, he knows that what he's doing and what's going on on the inside of him is not going to prosper him in terms of his future. Another example of how this is a saved man is verse seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 22. He says, I delight in the law of the Lord after the inward man. In other words, he, he, he says this. The real me loves God. The real me wants to do the things that please God. But it's something else that's at work inside of me. Right? It, 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 it's so, when they say come to the altar, there's something that rises up and I just can't seem to get out of my feet. It seems like my feet are in uh, uh, wet cement and I, I can't go. And it seems as though there's something holding me back and there's something pulling me back. They said we need MVPs, but for some reason, every time I begin to put my, uh, my key in the ignition or I begin to push that button and I begin to try to go to the church to, to go to that event, there's something inside of me that pulls me back. I know I don't need to talk to that man again. I, I know I don't need to talk to that woman again. But it's something that keeps calling me. It, it, it keeps calling me. It's a yearning inside of me that's at work. For time's sake, I need to move on. But what I want to briefly say is this. Salvation is real. Because you struggle, don't believe that you're not saved. Come on, because of the spirit of religion... We cast people to unsaved status too much. Come on, you know that box on your, on your computer, whether it's a PC or it's a, it's a Mac, you know there's a button that you can click and it closes the window. Boop. <laughs> no matter what's on the screen, it will close. And too many of us close people out and we shut people off because we see them struggling with something. We have discounted the miracle and the power of the act of God, which is salvation. It is something that takes place in the heart. Salvation is an experience of the spirit. The Bible says you were dead in your sins. 
uh, we know that can't be physical because after all, you were, you were alive and you were doing your thing. So what is he talking about? He's talking about you were spiritually dead. And through the act of God, through Jesus Christ, you have become alive. Uh, but there's something else that we've got to work out in our lives. And Paul mentions it when he says, work out your soul salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Somebody say, work it out. Come on, say, work it out. But you know what? That's where we get lost at. Because we get captive, we become captive to working. I'm not going to read it, but if we read on, what we see here in this text is uh, uh, at least 20 different references to the law. In other words, part of the reason he's not being successful is because he keeps trying. He keeps trying to do it by his own merit. He, he keeps trying to do it by his own devices. He, he keeps trying to do it by his own intellect. He, he keeps trying to strategize and he keeps trying to uh, employ different tactics, but it's not working. Scholars acknowledge this, that between, between verses 6 through 25, the words I, me, and my are mentioned nearly 40 times. I, me, and my are mentioned nearly 40 times. In other words, this person is striving, but no power. What is started in the flesh has to be maintained by the flesh. And the problem is you can't please God in the flesh. Right? So you got to make a decision. Either I'm going to break with this thing or I'm going to continue to suffer. The scripture says in Philippians 2.13, it's God that works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. In other words, if we want to please God, it cannot be nor will it be by what we do. That might sound a little bit confusing. What I'm saying is this. We need God to give us the desire to do differently. What we see here in Romans 7 is human willpower, right? The good that I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, that's what I do. In other words, he's relying upon his own strength. Uh, but I heard the prophet say, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. We need the Holy Ghost to help us. God never designed us to live this Christian life he never planned for us to walk out this saved life doing on our own accord. He already knows you and I don't have the power to do it because why? Romans 7:18 says this. Paul says there is no good thing that lies in my flesh. So if I begin to rely upon my senses and if I begin to rely on my intellect and my, my pedigree and my degrees and my credentials, guess what? I'm going to fall flat on my face every time. Hallelujah. See, that's why many people stay stuck in, in unhealthy relationships. Why? Because you're trying to figure it out. you like Frankie Beverly. you 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 trying to reason with this thing. you got to make a decision. And, and guess what? The Spirit of God is so beautiful. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 1, I believe it's 13, that God gave the Spirit of God to us. We received the indwelling of Holy Ghost on the inside of us. In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will give you another the comforter some of us have kicked the comforter to the side some of us have relegated the comforter to the back because we say I'm gonna live this life on my own I'll go to church every Sunday and I'll feel better I'll pray I'll pray and I'll pray before I go to bed and I'll feel better we make spiritual activity idols and we think that the activity is what's gonna deliver us but the activity is not the deliverer <laughs> Uh, the activity is not the miracle worker. The, the activity is not the healer. Jesus is the healer. And he gave us a comforter. And his name is Holy Ghost. His name is Holy Spirit. And God designed us that we would be followed, that we would follow the unction of Holy Ghost. Come on, some of my worst experiences in relationship was because I did not listen to the Holy Ghost. Some of the times where I felt shame and I felt dirty because I did it again. And even though I was saved, saints, some of you might not believe it, but I was saved. I told my testimony a long time ago. I struggled with masturbation. Yeah, yeah, this man did. I struggled with masturbation. I was saved, though. I was saved, though. 
I struggled. I struggled. I struggled. And I lived in condemnation. Why? Because I was trying to fix it on my own. But as soon as I fell to my knees, as soon as I said, Lord, I can't do it on my own. Hey. Glory to God. As soon as I gave up, as soon as I made a decision to let go, the Lord delivered me. Come on. He knocked that desire out of my belly. Come on. He knocked, he knocked that desire out of, my, out of my reproductive apparatus, if you know what I mean. Come on. I didn't start twitching no more. I, I didn't get them hungers and those longings no more because I let the Holy Ghost do it. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, let Holy Ghost do it. Come on. Turn, say, let the Holy Ghost do it. Sister, you can't leave that man alone by yourself. Brother, you can't leave it alone by yourself. You need to let the Holy Ghost break the chain. Sever the soul tie. You're too wrapped up in it. You're too tangled up in it. I will submit you can't even see straight right now because all you know is this relationship. Uh, sometimes we talk about young ladies, and I, I'm going to get on some of my, my, older, my, 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 my older young people a little bit because we talk about young folks too much, uh, and we don't remember when we was blind and we couldn't see, bouncing off of walls and running into walls. and They struggling. We need to give them not our opinion. We need to give them truth. That's what Holy Ghost does. Come on, Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter who will lead and guide you into all truth. Well, who is true? Truth is Jesus. He says, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. Holy Ghost is always going to lead us to truth. Holy Ghost is always going to lead us to prosperity. Holy Ghost is always going to lead us to a healthy situation. Holy Ghost is always going to lead us to the way out. I spent too many times saying, God, 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 but not letting go, go, go. We trivialize certain Christian cliches and statements, but guess what? The more I live, the more I find that they're true. Many of us need to let go and let God. It's time to come out the contemplation stage. It's time to come out of wondering what's going to happen next. That's what Frankie, I want to make sure I'm right. But you dying. He said, we're hurting each other. It's a shame. If something is a shame in your life, it's not God. How do you know, brother? Because Hebrews says that Jesus despised the shame. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Shame is not of God. Shame is not of God. If you begin to have shameful thoughts, if you begin to think you're unclean and you're dirty and all these different things, that's not of God. Shame and conviction is two different things. Conviction draws you closer to God. Shame pushes you back and you don't want to be in his presence. Holy Ghost is never going to put you in a situation where you run from God. He's going to usher you into his presence. For time's sake, I want to move on and go to a story, and I'll encapsulate it briefly. Jacob. Jacob provides an excellent example of the need to let go. And why letting go was so hard. Jacob was a son of promise. He was a son. He was actually the grandson of Abraham, Isaac's son. The reason I say he was a son of promise is because uh, when Rebecca was pregnant, the Lord spoke to her and gave her a word about her sons. The Lord said, I'm going to make both of them a great nation. Jacob went on to have a lot of different trials in life. His name means supplanter, right? His name was not a good name, if you will. And many preachers preached this text about Jacob wrestling with the angel or with the man from a perspective of, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And I don't disagree with that. It has its place, and theologically, it is appropriate. But I want to approach it from a different angle. You see, Jacob, at that particular time, was by himself. He was alone. He had sent his family away, his possessions. Why? Because 
he knew he wronged his brother in years past. About 20 years previously, he wronged his brother Esau. And Esau swore the next time he saw him, he was going to kill him. And he got a report that Esau was coming with about 400 men. He was posseed up. He was coming, and so Jacob tried to begin to strategize. He, he began to rely upon his own devices, right? He, he, he was a trickster. And so he sought to appease his brother and say, you know what, if I give him some gifts, then perhaps he won't take my life. Perhaps he'll spare me, and he'll spare my family, right? Trying to do it according to his own devices, the Bible says that a man came where Jacob was. Jacob was all alone. How many of you know when your deliverance comes, you're probably going to have to be by yourself? Come on. You're not going to be in the company of those same people that you've been doing the dirty stuff with or you've been doing the, the low-down stuff with or, or the, the non-prosperous stuff with. You're going to have to get by yourself. Your brothers and sisters in the faith sometimes can't even be with you. You have to be by yourself. So the Bible says they began to wrestle, and they wrestled all night long, and uh, uh, the, the break of dawn came. And the man realized that he wasn't prevailing because, after all, Jacob was not letting go. Jacob was gone. And I believe that in that moment, all of Jacob's emotions were pouring out. I believe that in, my, in that moment, the intensity was so great because everything that Jacob had been through, he was tricked by Laban. He was forced to work for Laban for years upon years upon years upon years. And I believe that all of that emotion, all of that frustration was coming out in that wrestling match. Until finally the angel, uh, he touched him in his hip in such a way that it broke him. It broke him. Many of us, God has to bring us to a place of being broken. Why? Because we won't let go. The man said, let me go. He says, no, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And I look at that letting go is not just endurance, not just persistence, and that's true. But that letting go is a reference to Romans 7. It's the striving of the flesh. I'm going to obtain my blessing by wrestling. Stop wrestling with God between two opinions. Let go. What Jacob didn't realize is that that was an ordained moment and the blessing was going to come anyway. He forgot that he was a child of destiny. He forgot that God had already promised, I'm going to give you and your descendants this land. He forgot that the Lord said, I'm going to multiply your descendants as the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. He forgot. The blessing was already laid up in store for him, but he's striving, thinking that he's got to be the one to do it, and he's got to be the one to accomplish it. And what I want to submit to you people of God is that your breakthrough doesn't have to come by you being broken. Your breakthrough doesn't have to come by you necessarily always hitting rock bottom. Right? You don't have to get abused for God to get your attention. Come on now. We give people bad advice. Well, God must have won. No! What kind of God would require that you get abused in order for him to bless you? If that's the kind of God that we say we serve, no wonder the world is not coming. Who wants to serve a God like that? But we serve a God who gives promises. We serve a God who's a keeper. Come on, come on. He'll keep you in perfect peace. He'll keep you out of that situation. He'll say, oh, make a left turn. He like GPS. Oh, turn around. You made, a, you made a wrong turn. He will lead you and guide you to freedom. At the end of the day, once you've given your life to God, guess what? You've given him permission to operate in your life. Come on. You've given him, you've given him the right and authority to move in your life. So guess what? Either you're going to go the hard way or you're going to go the easy way. The Bible says that the man asked Jacob, what's your name? Well, he asked the man his name. And he responded to Jacob, what's your name? In other words, God wants to change the course of your life, the course of your trajectory. Where you were once named by a certain name, God wants to change that. He wants to alter that and bring you into the knowledge of his original plan for you. He says your name won't be Jacob anymore. It will be Israel, Prince, 
Prince, not supplanter, not trickster, prince, king, not drunk, not lazy, not liar, not Mr. Sleep Around, not Miss Loose. Come on, prince, king, daughter of God, beloved, son of the most high, that's your name. And many of us are blocking the transition because we won't let go. The Lord wants us to come to a place of decision. If you're going to follow Jesus, you must first deny yourself. Take up your cross. Your boss is not your cross. I'm going to say that again. Your boss is not your cross. Your family is not your cross. They may work your last one. That's not your cross. What did Jesus mean? This is what he meant. What he was saying to us is that just like he was going to have to take up his cross, each one of us that follow him are going to have to take up the cross daily. Paul says, I die daily. And part of the reason we struggle is because we won't die. We won't die to that relationship. We won't die to that behavior. We won't die to that habit. And so what happens is we got a whole bunch of animals running around in the church. Jesus was a spotless lamb. But it's a lot of dogs that need to die on the, on the cross. I'm going to say it. It's, it's some pigs that need to die in Jesus' name. You got pig-like ways. Die. You a glutton. Dogs. Being led by your, your natural inclination. Die. Die. Foxes. Manipulative. Always plotting and strategizing instead of just obeying the Lord. Die. Take up your cross and die. Put that animal on the cross. Put that animal in you on the altar. That animal inside of us has a certain appetite and that appetite is leading us away from the things of God. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.